You are listening to Open Mic Spotlight with Heatherly Holt. Open Mic Spotlight is a weekly podcast featuring intimate conversations and performances with musicians and artists from Chattanooga and the surrounding areas. Take a closer look at all the wonderful talent and culture the Chattanooga music scene has to offer. Open Mic Spotlight is currently looking for future episode sponsors. Sponsorship benefits include spoken ads on episodes and logos and written ads on iTunes and social media. All funds go directly to the production and marketing of each episode. If you would like to sponsor or hear more details, please contact me at Heather Lee Holt at openmicspotlight.com. H-E-A-T-H-E-R-L-E-I-G-H-H-O-L-T at openmicspotlight.com. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Spotlight. I am your host, Heather Lee Holt, and today we have Lou Card here. Hello. Howdy. How's it going? Wonderful. We're going to start off with a song. All right, perfect. This is a newer song on a new album I recorded out in Austin, Texas here in March. It should be out sometime in the next few months. Six cigarettes, three cups of coffee, words on a page staring at me. Dog on the porch, kids in the yard, it ain't easy making this look hard. But I like what I do and I don't mind dying, I like what I do, I don't mind dying. Birds are singing, the sun keeps shining, I like what I do and I don't mind dying. I've worked old cars, ran big machines. Built guitars and broken dreams Fell into a great big hole Just to let all y'all know That I like what I do and I don't mind dying I like what I do, I don't mind dying Little bit of crawling, whole lot of climbing I like what I do and I don't mind dying Mind down. 
Very nice. Thanks. That's a new one? That's a new one, yeah. When is that coming out? Uh, I'm not really sure. I, I was in Austin, Texas, filming a documentary for a gospel album with a traveling preacher that I'd worked on like 10 years ago, and it's finally coming out. They're making a documentary piece. So while I was out there, I had a day to kill, so I went in the studio and made a record in about four and a half hours, and it's just me and a guitar and singing uh, 11 songs, I guess. Wow. So you're just waiting on it to get Yeah, he's going to do some mixing on it. His and... console was a little messed up this week, so he was actually supposed to start mixing and uh I'm not in a huge hurry to really get it out. I think yeah. I'm just going to release it to the internet and not really press any CDs or, mm-hmm. you know, a vinyl of... Are you from Chattanooga? Born and raised. Born and partly raised. <laughs> and then you left to go to Texas? I graduated from Hickson High School here in Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, went to Knoxville for a year and was kind of just roaming around doing nothing. And I decided that I was going to get into school. And so I went to Murfreesboro and did the recording program. And I got a degree in engineering up there. And then I interned in Nashville for a minute, came back to Chattanooga for about six, eight months. And then Chattanooga at that time didn't really have what I thought that I might need musically. So I uh, went to Texas. I was going to go to Los Angeles and then I got halfway there and stopped in Austin and stayed there for 16 years. Just really loved it and met my now wife and you know, two kids later and all that. It seems like you would fit in great in Austin. I haven't been there, but just what I see coming out of Austin and imagine. I had a great time there for many, many years. Then it just kind of changed a little bit, to, you know, got bigger. And so now I'm, uh, I guess what they call a boomeranger is what somebody called me the other day. <laughs> um, back in Chattanooga, I was gone and now I'm back. Was there any kind of like spark that made you come back? Not really. I mean, me and my wife talked about moving out of the big city and uh, she was born and raised in central Texas and, you know, never left. And uh, she didn't really want to go anywhere where we didn't have support with the kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've still got, you know, three grandparents, and my parents are here part-time, and my sister and brother are here. I bet they're so glad that you moved back. Yeah, they're glad. And then you ask them to babysit, and it's just like, like, where'd they go? Why aren't they answering their phones? (laughs) So how does your wife like Chattanooga? She's getting adjusted now. It took both of us a minute. Going from 90 miles an hour to 30 miles an hour, but now starting to meet some people and make some friends of of her own, Mm -hmm. you know. When did you start playing music? Real memory of it was, you know, around sixth grade, I got a guitar. I got a drum kit first and then realized I couldn't do all four things at once. And somehow I'd seen these older guys that I knew playing bluegrass and playing guitars and acoustic guitars and stuff. So I got one of those and that fit my hands better than, and I didn't have to use my feet. Mm -hmm. So I started uh, right around sixth grade, really, sixth, seventh grade. Did you take private lessons and? Took one lesson at uh, Al Miller Music there on Hicks and Pike. I learned you know, that was it. But I mean, I had lots of people teach me over the years, you know, in in one form or another, either watching them play or actually physically sitting down and Mm -hmm. and showing me things. Sometimes that's even more influential in a lesson. It's different for everybody, yeah. Mm -hmm. That one lesson, you know, going in that music store and looking at the guitars and walking in that back room, and I remember the guy, you know, bangs cut, but long hair kind of down to his butt, and he was a rocker, and I can't remember his name right now, but I remember being like, all right, I'm going to learn how to play guitar now. And took one lesson, and then I learned how to play guitar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just how it And you just never stopped because yeah, that's yeah, what you were supposed to do. Um, so did you play in bands in high school and stuff like that? Yeah, I guess around, like, ninth grade, we had a band called the Plastic Fantastics. It was me and a guy named Rob Colvin from Macaulay, Patrick Dugan. I was in it for a minute, and then our friend Matt Johnston and Carlos Ordonez. I think it, it had like two original songs that I'd written and then uh, we played like Sunshine of Your Love and Purple Haze and you know some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fun though. My dad had an old warehouse over behind Hickson Middle School so we had like this whole warehouse space that we could go in there and just raise hell and do the thing. Lucky. Yeah it was awesome. That is so <laughs> awesome. All 
right. Well, you want to do a cover? Yeah. Uh, I like to do covers from my friends because they're not my songs. And, you know, maybe some people haven't heard these songs. And I used to play with a guy named Johnny Dango when I lived in Austin. Uh, this is a song of his called 1492.
good song. That was a good song. Yeah. I like I love your voice. Wow. It's so out of tune. No, <laughs> it's like it's unique and it Well, thank you. It's very nice. I like it. Are both of your albums just you? No, they're full band. One on the bottom there, Low Country Hi-Fi, is it's more acoustic that we really set out to make it wooden. There's organ on there as the only electric instrument and then not really any cymbals or hi-hats or anything. It's very kind of stripped down. Not to toot my own horn, but I love, I love that album. I love the way the album sounds. And then Follow Me Down is full-on electric horn section. It's not rocking, but some of it's rocking, but it's just it's definitely different than Low Country yeah. Have you toured with a full band before? Yeah, I've been touring for years with different bands. Mostly once I moved to Texas, that guy Johnny Dango, whose song I just played with the Stillwater Pioneers. It was Johnny Dango and the Stillwater Pioneers. And then I played with a guy, Reed Wilson, and his so-called friends for, I guess, about nine, ten years. We traveled around a good bit, mostly uh, southeast and the Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I played with Gun Hands. But my stuff, it's not so much being out there for weeks at a time or months at a time it hasn't been but i've played a lot of roaming around with yeah with the band and it's been a lot of pickup guys since i moved back here but starting to make friends and got guys that are playing with me a little more full-time so i haven't seen you booking any shows here yet uh i've been doing i've been doing some stuff it's been a little hit or miss and then i've been up in Asheville a good bit mm-hmm. in nashville I had one thing like three weeks ago and now i've got you know start off with your podcast and then i'm doing the noon tunes thing on wednesday oh yes i did see yeah. that so I'll be on WTC Monday to promote the Noontunes thing. And then Thursday, I'm opening up for the Dex Teens at JJ's. And then Saturday, I'm playing in Dunlap at uh, Valley Fest. And then Saturday night, I'm at Barking Legs opening up for Adam Carroll, who's an awesome Texas songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> you went from, like, nothing to Yeah, and I've been playing stuff. I did the Earth Day thing down at Ross's Landing with oh, Jamie yeah. Brown and Growability. Uh-huh. And I've done, you know, Puckets and Tremont and... Feed Company and Clyde's. I just try not to oversaturate myself, you know. Along with being a professional musician, you were saying that you do guitar work. Yep, I I did. um, I worked for Collings Guitars for about six years out in Austin and uh, doing finish work, sanding and buffing starting off. And I I was pretty much doing finish repair in their department, in the finish department. And then I left them to have a little more loose schedule to play music more often. So I started working with a guy named John Allison who worked for Bill Collings for over 10 years. And he started building his own guitar. So I started working for him in a smaller shop, just me and him. Mm-hmm. We built acoustic guitars and console steels and electric guitars and all kinds of stuff. But that gave me the freedom. If I needed to leave for two weeks to go play, then John was always really cool about that. Yeah, he's he understood. And I did furniture repair and, uh, you know, worked for a place called Music Lab out in Austin that we, we rented rehearsal spaces and, you know, basically vacuumed floors and clean toilets and stuff like that. Have you ever built your own guitar? No, not yet. I feel like I know all the aspects except for setting a neck, which is the most important aspect of building a guitar. But I can put a body together and I can shape a neck and I can definitely finish it. And I'm not a really slow down kind of person, but like once I feel like things are going to slow down, maybe, I don't know what that means, like, you know, 50s, 60s, 80s, but sit down and and put one together. Yeah. Let's do another song. All right. You want to do an original one? Yeah. All right. Since we're talking about work and I guess family and stuff, we've got a daughter named... Josie, and I wrote a song for her. It's called Dreaming of Josephine.
about werewolves And I've dreamt about golden streams And I've dreamt about World War III And the beginning of the bombs and all those screams I had one about an angel Flying around with devil's wings And I've dreamt up a hundred songs And roads I've never seen Oh, but tonight I'm Dreaming of my Josephine I've dreamt about giving up And I've dreamt about getting down And I've dreamt about so much damn water That I thought I'd surely drown I had the one about running slow And the one about killing things And I've dreamt up a life without any green Oh, but tonight I'm dreaming of my Josephine She's a dreamer's dream, if you know what I mean Got the prettiest little eyes you ever did see She got me rolling around on the ground Make me want to give up on my hometown Sorry, She'll be seven in September. So she is in first grade? She's in kindergarten. Kindergarten. What school is she going to? The Bright. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's where I went to school. Me and my brother and sister and my dad mm-hmm. went to school there. And it's kind of a family tradition of sorts. And so she's there and she loves it and she's killing it. So That school is so great. Have you got her into music yet? Oh, yeah. We wrote a song for our friend Mr. Will who does kids records out in, when we are in Texas called I Want to Play a Little Bit Longer. And she got $50 and I got $50. And <laughs> so she's already, she sold a song. That's uh, awesome. She's like four and a half, five, so. Does she play anything or just sing right now? Uh, she's wanting to play guitar. She keeps wanting to play left-handed, so I'm really trying to, I want to start teaching her now. We've actually been talking about that because I'm like, you sure you don't want to play strum with your right hand? She's like, this feels right. And I'm like, okay. So I keep putting it off to like, I just want to make sure before I start really teaching her and then having to flip it so it confuses her more. But she really wants to play. I, I want to teach her mandolin and guitar mm-hmm. and uh She's always writing songs. She's always singing songs, and she's been that way since she was. You could. That's the best. Yeah. You have a another three. You yeah, said. Yeah, he'll be three in June. Charlie, he's a mess. <laughs> Two year olds. Whew. Ooh. <laughs> they are. He's giving his mom a run for her money, but he's like the sweetest boy on the planet. And then uh, when he's not, he's not. It's amazing. I thought having a girl because she was, you know, going through her terrible twos and threes up almost into her fours, and I was like, man, this is rough. And then. 
I thought it might have been a girl thing, and then having him, I'm like, whoa, this is totally different. It's kind of even <laughs> but, worse. Yeah, it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's so true. So why don't we do another cover? All right. What you going to play? I think I'll do a Towns Man's Aunt song. Talking about the kids, I put a letter in Josie's baby book for her first mix tape, CD, mix album. And uh, I wrote a little letter that said, you know, by the time you're old enough to enjoy mixes, they'll probably have chips implanted into your brain and you just tap the music in. But I said, you know, you know, uh, your daddy loved sad songs and uh, here's the, the people that I, that I enjoyed. And Towns is always one of them. Upstairs are getting hungry. You can shout at the wind about how it should be, or you can clench your fist and shake your head, head out to the country. Well, I have no doubt about it, my friends, that's where they'll find me. I have no doubt about it, my friends, that's where they'll find me. Fine if you're good and blind, but it ain't where you 
move along Roll up your sleeves, pick up your money and carry yourself home Roll up your sleeves, pick up your money and carry yourself home can't really go wrong with him. Yeah, I like the version of that song. His is like really mm-hmm. right-hand rhythm, you know. I've been finger-picking, you know, I've played so much bluegrass and strumming for so long, it was like, man, I just want to pick with my fingers. And so I wonder if people get bored with it. I try to incorporate a little more strumming and finger-picking, but I always find myself just going back to the finger-picking these days. Yeah, I do too. It's an old man <laughs> thing, I guess. I totally love finger-picking everything. But it is hard to... Keep folks interested. Yeah. Well, in the evening scene in Chattanooga. Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I feel like I have two sets. Here's a set of, like, you know, shake your butt and get out there and do whiskey shots. And then, mm-hmm. and not that the other stuff can't be incorporated in that. And not slow, sad songs, but just more finger-picking-oriented songs. People still like to shake their butt and get drunk, too, I guess. If you do bluegrass, then you know how to, how to make people. Yeah, I know how to strum, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your favorite artists to listen to? I like my friends, you know, I really like Johnny Dango, the guy's song I played earlier, my buddy Billy Broom, my friend Lucas Hudgens. On the not friend thing, I mean, anybody from John Moreland to, you know, Kendrick Lamar, I mean, I like all, you know, it's the same way it's always been. When I was growing up, you know, my mom was into, like, beach music and Sinatra and Dax and Motown, and my dad was too, but then he had been to, like, you know, oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, you know, and he, I remember him singing that when I was younger, so that made that connection, and then it was... The violent films and hip-hop and ACDC and everything across the board. And, and then I got into some country radio stuff somewhere around like 7th, 8th grade for a minute because the guys I was hanging out with. And then just always, it always changes. You know, the songwriters have always been constant. I mean, I got into Neil Young in the 6th grade and John Prine about the same time. So the songs and the and the making making one guitar sound like two guitars was something that I was always had an interest in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the finger a lot of the finger-picking stuff kind of comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like everybody else. I mean, I don't buy a whole lot of music anymore. I mean, I, I do when I go to shows because I know the deal, you know. I know how bad it sucks out there. Uh, I have XM radio in my truck, so I listen to a lot of Outlaw Country, and then I'll put the Grateful Dead channel on for four hours, and then I'll bump over to Bruce Springsteen Station or all across the board. Well-rounded. Yeah, yeah. Or confused, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so does your wife play music too? No, no, no. She's a big fan. She likes to go to shows, mm-hmm. you know. Before we had kids, that's all we did. If I wasn't playing, we were out going to see shows and mm-hmm. drinking and carrying on. Yeah, and that's how you made that connection with Yeah, each other. for sure. She used to work at a uh, place called Archer House in Austin that was the first three days I was there. They had a bluegrass jam on Sunday, so I was like, I'm going to go to Art's Bluegrass Jam, and then I met her, you know, through through Archer House and you know, uh, pretty much fell in love with her there and then made her mine. The rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Do you still do a lot of bluegrass stuff? Uh, no. Now that I'm back here more, Texas, like, there's, it's a lot of swing, gypsy, not gypsy jazz, but just, it just didn't have that, uh, that, just a southeast thing, you know. Yeah. And there's a handful of guys out there that are really good players, Jeff Large and Matt Downing and countless other people that are actually doing good bluegrass out there, but 
you know, when I was here, I mean, I, I felt like I was in the thick of like the heart of it. But now that I'm back here, I've been playing a little bit more. And I played with an old time band in college in Murfreesboro called Earl. And those guys have actually backed me up, played WDVX, Blue Plate thing, and they backed me up on there. And, and then Ryan from Earl, his band from East Tennessee called the Sulphur Springs String Dippers, they backed me up a couple of times when I've been in East Tennessee. So like if I'm playing a solo show in Asheville and I get something at Yeehaw Brewing, it's like I don't want to try to like hold people's attention with just me and acoustic guitar. So I'll just pick up guys that are looking to make a little bit of money if they can want to work. And, you know, so whether it's rock and roll or bluegrass or old time, and I don't care. It changes the songs for me, you know, because I've been playing them a certain way for so long. And then it's like, Oh, that's cool. It's got the banjo and the bass and the fiddle on it. Now that completely just changed the vibe of this thing. Yeah. So I'm down for that. Totally. Well, I want to hear another Lou Card song. This one's on that record that I just did out in Austin. My true love 
They're my true love. Murder. I don't know. That was beautiful. And then the rain coming down. Yeah, I was like, like right in the middle kind of, of it. Kind of confusing. So I was like, singing about it, wind. Is that a snare drum? What's going on there? <laughs> It that was, was the rhythm section in that it song. Was, was the kind of perfect. Do you have any interesting, funny stories from shows or being on the road or anything like that? Not that I can really delve into. I mean, it's a lot of like bedwetting, whiskey, and fights and things. I mean, everything's funny out on the road. There's a misconception that people who don't get in a band and go out with five other stinky dudes to uh, make hundreds of dollars a year don't understand is that. Contrary to popular belief from some of the guys I played with, you're not on vacation, you know, it's like you're out there, you basically drive to one gig, you play the gig, maybe you have a couple of drinks, you eat some food, you go to sleep, you wake up, you drive again, you know, I mean, that's basically, that's the gist of it, you know, and you get time to cut loose and shoot guns or, you know, go rafting down a river or, uh, I guess uh, when I played with the Gun Hands, we got really drunk one afternoon, we were playing in St. Louis and we went and toured the Anheuser-Busch factory and after that, we went up in the, uh, the arches, hammer drunk, oh, went up in the arches. And I don't suggest that to anybody because you get like this little tiny egg that, I mean, I'm 170 pounds and 5'10 and barely holds me. And then I got in there with my bass player, who's like 6'4 and 280, and the other singer who's like same build. They're big farmers. Oh, from three Missouri. people got in there? Yeah, so there's three of us in there. And we're all wet, and it was like pouring down rain that day. We have been upsetting people at the Anheuser-Busch tour because we were splashing in the water, you know, I mean, just just silly stuff, you know. But it was fun, you know, those are some of the memories, and, and we have pictures of some of those memories, but nothing really too crazy. Yeah. Some naked hot tubbing and stuff like that. <laughs> so you have a degree in music engineering. That's awesome. I've used it more in live. I've got a little recording setup that I bought 16 years ago when I graduated, and, you know, I've always demoed friends, and I interned with a guy in Nashville, Bill Borndick, and realized that, you know, I didn't really want to work. 16, 17, 18 hour days and some people were built for that and it's just a completely thankless job and I think anybody who does it is amazing. We need them but it just wasn't for me really. It's a lot of countless hours with headphones on away from the world. There's so much that goes into it. Not to mention the thing that I think scared me the most was like I couldn't see myself working on an album with somebody that I just really did not enjoy communicating with, you know, musically or as a person, you know. And I get along with just about everybody, but... There's I, always something. There's always something, you know? I mean, I've been... Getting like, along with someone and, like, doing their whole album is a whole different story. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, everybody's got their, their idea of how records made. It's like, oh, I can cut eight songs, you know, I can cut three songs a day, and, you know, let's, let's do three days to make a nine-song album. It's like, well, sometimes you can do that, and uh, most of the time you can't. There's a lot of ins and outs of it all. I mean, I've always thought that, you know, doing, doing live sound and repairing instruments and touring and writing and uh, stage managing, like all this stuff that I've done, this business over the last handful of years has made me better as a person to communicate with anybody else that's in this business. You know, it's like if you never run monitors for a band and you come in and you're yelling at the guy running monitors because he won't get it right and you've never done it and you don't know what, you got to do it at least for a little bit of time to see what goes into it. and Just for understanding. Understanding and be it. able to put yourself in that guy's shoes and realize that right. there's a number of things that may not necessarily be his fault. Yeah, and sometimes it is their fault. But, I mean, you know once you do the job what's somebody's fault and what's, what's or, not. Or how to communicate <laughs> or how to communicate, to help Yeah, him. to make it go smoother. smoother. Yeah. yeah. You don't ever record your own stuff? Uh, no, never. 
I like working with other people, especially people that I can communicate with, work in the same brain. It's like, it adds a different level of thinking to my playing and singing and writing when I have somebody else there. If they're not in there as a producer, they're just another brain to get involved in, in the situation. Uh, let's do another song. All right, I'm gonna try this song. I just finished it this morning and I wrote it with my uh, buddy Ryan Bernard. And if it doesn't sound good, don't use it. <laughs> For his time to come Crow on the fence Ready for the fall Listen to that old mandolin strum No matter where you're headed No matter where you've been What once was Will surely be back It all comes around again Vine, feeling like plenty of time to kill Someday she'll be a butterfly Living over in South Knoxville No matter what you've said No matter what you've done Ends the beginning, beginning is the end It all comes around to the one Storm. This is the first time I've had a storm during an interview before, which is kind of crazy. Probably, it's probably my fault. No. Will you do one more song? Yeah. But before you do, yeah. will you give some advice to the musicians out there? Well, the whole thing here with your podcast, then thank you for having me on it, the uh, open mic spotlight. I did a lot of open mics for a long time. I mean, I think key is to don't let the, the people get you down. You know, if, if you're going to step into a bluegrass circle, if you want to play mandolin and like, here's a bunch of people in there and, you know, they kind of, sometimes people turn their nose up and some Sometimes people have an idea of who should be inside that circle. You know, just stick with it, get in there, don't back down. You know, and the same thing with open mics and stuff. It's like, 
just be confident and you know try to play your own music because you can't really screw that up you know you can always screw somebody else's song up get in there and do it you know and don't be afraid and don't wait till you're 30 to start you know <laughs> the younger you are and the more time you have to put into it i, I think that's that's the best time to do it what are you gonna play am i gonna play a cover well i kind of want you to play another Lou song another Lou song mm-hmm. let's see here all right this one requires a story I put this one on the new thing that I just recorded out in Austin, and uh, I'd had it written for a while. It's, it's about a dear friend of mine that passed away, named is Cora Garth. She passed away, I guess, almost two and a half years ago now. But she uh, she raised me from the time I was a little tiny boy till she left this world. And I, I tell the story on the record, but it's kind of part of the part of the story. Anyhow, uh, Cora was uh, from Chattanooga, Tennessee, big, imposing, southern black woman, and she taught me lots of good life lessons along the way, mostly that involved a switch, back of a hand, or a wet rag, or something. You know, old school stuff. <clears throat> and uh, having kids now, I wanted to be able to pass some things that she taught me growing up down to them. It always came around to this one story, which was not my finer moment in life, but she tells this thing that she'd say before she'd spank, she'd say, I'm gonna whoop your ripty ditty. And uh, I always, like that term as I got older after the spankings, you know, years after spankings, like, whoop your ripty ditty. It's like, always they had a, had a thing to roll off your tongue. And so it didn't feel good when she did it, though. The story goes, me and her nephew, Wendell, were in the yard one day, and we were wrestling in the yard. Wendell flipped me over my back and knocked the wind out of me, and uh, I got up and, out of anger and bad judgment, I got up and called Wendell the one thing you don't call your, your black friend Wendell. And uh, so this is all part of the story and it's all part of the conversation. Uh, and the only reason I knew the word is because I was taught not to use the word. And uh, so that was basically when I sat down after court passed and really was trying to take the good with the bad and all of it and really explain to my children this was my part of racism in my life. So anyhow, I wrote this song for uh, Miss Cora Garth and it's called Whoop That Ripty Diddy. So bad in all my life before, but it did not compare 
to the pain I cause when I use that word running out that door. Looking back now, I should've known better. My daddy didn't raise no people haters. Now I know what I've been shown. Whoop the rip the did in now. There's a moral to this story, as y'all can plainly see. There ain't no room in this world for ignorance and bigotry. People gonna do what the people do, that don't mean that you gotta do that too. Take the pain and make a change, we'll thrift it did it now. I say take that pain and make that change, we'll thrift it did it now. I think that was my favorite one that you did. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I like it. With a story, I just never know if I should tell it. But I mean, every time I tell it, I mean, it's, it's part of me, it's part of the thing, and I learn from it, you know. And I think that's what it's missing nowadays is mm -hmm. learning from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to write it for the kids as well as a tribute to Cora. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Had a great time. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please leave a rating or a review. We love feedback. Also, please subscribe on the iTunes podcast app or at www.openmicspotlight.com. Thank you to Trenton Romanini for mixing this episode. For all of your industry and recording needs, visit tromixthat.com. T-R-O-M-I-X-E-D-T-H-A-T.com.